Chelsea Green! I have scratched and I have clawed my way to the top. And after seven years, I can finally say, Chelsea Green is a ring of honor. Wow! I am gonna join these amazing women and I'm gonna take the Ring of Honor women's division to the forefront of wrestling. Chelsea Green, a former world champion, a former Impact World Champion here in Ring of Honor. We know her credentials. Welcome to ROH Strong Podcast. Here is your host, Kevin. What's up, Honor Nation? Welcome to episode 66 of the ROH Strong Podcast, the official podcast of Ring of Honor Wrestling. Now, my guest today made her surprising Ring of Honor debut at Best in the World last week. Now, she's not only one of the hottest free agents in pro wrestling, she's the hot mess. Chelsea Mother Green. Chelsea, welcome to the show. Mark Brown in production is going to bleep that, so obviously we, we have to clean that up a little bit. But I wanted to introduce you the way you introduce yourself on your podcast, which we'll get into later. But first of all, I got to say, not just welcome to the show, but welcome to Ring of Honor. Oh my gosh, thank you. It's, it's been a long time coming, honestly. Well, I mean, look, I, I'm going to be honest here. When I saw that you were released from WWE a few months ago, um, and I think I told you this before we started recording today, I told you this a few days yep. ago, is that... I immediately texted someone in the company and I said, can we get Chelsea Green like for this? And now look, that doesn't make me a, a, a genius. I mean, I think it was pretty much a no brainer. Like you were available. We had this women's tournament coming up, seemed like perfect timing. And I got to be honest it, too. It was great to see that the feeling was mutual because you went on social media. You were very clear about it, that you wanted to be in ring of honor. You wanted to compete in this tournament. So let me ask you first all, first of all, just, why is Ring of Honor someplace that you did want to be? So I'm definitely big on like manifestation and, and I like to put I like to put my my goals out there on social media or tell my friends and family because I think it holds me accountable. And so when I was released, I, I said a lot of things um, on Twitter that I knew I couldn't take back in a good way. The things that I, I really wanted to accomplish and, and get done and one of those things and one of those things has always been throughout my entire career being at ring of honor for some reason before I was signed to WWE, I ring of honor and I were like two ships passing in the night. We could just never get on the same page, whether it was dates or times or, or if they even needed another girl, like they had their girls. And so I think that this all worked out in the most perfect and magical way because now I am, obviously a free agent. I can do whatever I want. I have more experience under my belt. And um, there was not a doubt in my mind that, you know, I didn't get to cross Ring of Honor off the bucket list. So it has to happen now. Okay. Well, let's talk about how it did happen. You were a free agent and you had to wait, I guess, a certain period of time before you could appear somewhere else. Uh, You know, Ring of Honor obviously had an interest in bringing you in. And then there you were Sunday at Best in the World. (laughs) It was the hot mess, Chelsea Green. So how did this actually all come about? So I contacted Maria right away, right when I was released. And I said, you know, like, I don't know what you guys are doing, but I want to be a part of Ring of Honor. And she was obviously very receptive. We've worked together in the past before and have a great relationship. So I'm, I'm thankful for that. Um, but the funny thing is, is that logistically, it wasn't going to work because I had a 90-day non-compete with WWE. And this fell on day 86 I believe something like that and so I was four days short of being able to compete in the women's tournament or to be able to be at even 
just ring of honor at the tapings. Um, and so I was really bummed about that. And then I just thought I'm going to take things into my own hands. And I contacted um, WWE and asked for a week off of my non-compete. And they actually granted me that week off, which was so shocking and, and so such a pleasant surprise. Wow, that is surprising. That's great, though. Mm-hmm. It really is. So you definitely didn't burn any bridges on the way out. That's for sure. They wouldn't have done that for you. Well, that's the nice thing, you know, is that um, I think that the, the people who granted that for me really respect me, and I respect them, and, and I'm just, like, so thankful for that because they didn't have to do that. Well, unfortunately, the bad news in all of this is, um, which we learned again Sunday at the pay-per-view last week, is that you won't be able to compete. You're not medically cleared. And look, I'm, Maryland is my home state, so I am very familiar with the <laughs> State Athletic Commission. They do not mess around, uh, no pun intended for the hot mess there, but they, they don't mess around when it comes to clearing people and various things. Um, so well, let me just ask you about the, um, the arm injury, because you, is, is this the same arm that you've had issues with in the past? It is. So it originally broke in NXT um, two years ago, and then it broke on SmackDown, and then it just broke a couple weeks ago when I was getting ready and, and training, basically, to, you know, be a free, free agent. Okay. So let's, we're very open here on the ROA Strong Podcast. So <laughs> not only did you shock everyone by showing up uh, at Best in the World, you shocked everyone again uh, by showing up at Slammiversary. Uh, just over this past weekend. So yes. no one knows what to expect with you, which I'm sure that's exactly <laughs> what you want. Like you showed up in Ring of Honor and everyone was like, wow, she signed with Ring of Honor, but you haven't because you're in, you're also working with Impact. Well, just- I think that that's like the beauty of all of this is that I am now able to my- write my own story. And the story that I really wanted to write was that I, as a female, have the ability to work wherever I want and do whatever I want and accomplish whatever I want. And my goal like I said on my podcast and and so many others was I wanted to be a free agent and work, work everywhere and work all the girls. And, and I knew that when I came out at ring of honor, I wasn't going to lay my cards out on the table. I was going to give you the fact that I am here at ring of honor and you know, I'm here to stay. I want to be the champion. I'm going to put my all into everything that I do here, but right now I have a broken arm. And then I think that, that it was fun to be able to, have everybody kind of put me in the category of, oh, she's injured and she can't wrestle. So that I could surprise people again. Okay, wow, she's not signed because she's at Impact and, oh, she can wrestle too. Um, And so I think people are going to be a little, they're confused. I think, I I know people are confused, um, but at the end of the day, it all boils down to the Maryland Athletic Commission would not let me wrestle for Ring of Honor in Baltimore. They don't, own the rest of the world. So I am able to wrestle in Nashville for impact. So that was, it, it was an awesome surprise to be able to give um, everyone again, you know, second time in a week. I feel bad that I couldn't give the ring of honor crowd what I wanted to give them, but I hope that they know that, you know, I'm, I am going to be back and I'm going to be back numerous times and I'm going to give them my, my all when I can get in that ring. And you're also going to be doing commentary uh, for a lot of the women's tournament matches. I am, which I'm super excited about. Um, I'm excited to study the girls for when I do come back. But not only that, like, I'm also just a wrestling fan myself. So I just love watching up-and-coming talent, watching my friends wrestle, all that kind of stuff. I want to talk about your free agent status again, though, because it's just a great time in wrestling where you can do this, right? You can be a free agent and and go to different companies. and But ultimately – uh, do you want to settle down at some point and have a home promotion? Have you given that any thought or are you just kind of enjoying this free agent thing for right now? So I'm going to try to enjoy the free agency until the new year. And then I'm going to, I think I'm going to make a decision whether that decision is to continue on the way that I've been um, working, you know, for the previous six months or to settle down. I'm not sure. But one thing that I will say is, you know, I'm, I'm 30 years old. Um, I'm getting married on New Year's Eve. So I I do want to start thinking about a family and thinking about the rest of my life. And so I don't think it would be crazy to say at some point I will be, you know, stepping aside from actually wrestling and and maybe doing more hosting things, maybe focusing on the podcast, maybe 
doing some backstage stuff. I think the world's my oyster, and I, I've already spoken to Maria about my, my, you know, my kind of future goals within the company. Okay. All right. Well, that sounds promising. I like to hear future goals. With yeah. A, that's, that's good. I like that. All right. Cause I'm, you know, yeah. fingers crossed. We want to see you around here as, as, as much as possible. I'm you know what? It took me seven years to get here. They are not getting rid of me that easy. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is awesome news. That's great. I'm sure honor nation loves to hear that. Well, let, let's talk about Maria uh, for a second, because you alluded to the fact that you and Maria obviously have uh, a past together. You work together in impact. Another person that you worked with who's here on the scene now is Allison Kay. Um, yes. All three of you were together. So is this the first time that you've had, it was Baltimore best, best in the world. Was that the first time you've gotten to all be in the same place at the same time again? It is since I believe 2017. Um, first time that we've been back together and it, it, ugh, it feels like no time has passed at all. <laughs> <laughs> We had Allison on the podcast a couple months ago, and um, she mentioned a match that the two of you had. She said you've only wrestled maybe like once or twice, actually. Yeah, yeah, we haven't. We've we've more so been on the same team. Exactly. So she mentioned this match that you had in the Detroit area, where like um, I think it was like 2017, and like the ropes, like there was a issue with the ropes being too loose. Or, do you recall that? I will never forget that match. And the reason I won't forget it is because, so it was in Detroit, the ring was broken, the ropes were broken. They had to stop the show twice to fix the rings and the rope. And it was about minus two degrees and the, the uh, actual venue had no heat. And so when we went out there, I was so chilled to the bone that I pulled my groin and AK had to, um, wheel me in a wheelchair to like through the airport when oh. I left Detroit. <laughs> I don't, she did, not, she did not mention the wheelchair part of that story. Oh, so. I can't believe she didn't mention that because we have the best video of her wheeling me into the airport. It's so good. So what is it like? Uh, and I talked to her a little bit about it, but I'll ask you the same question too, though. What is it like when you're going into a room um, like that? I mean, obviously you can't do a lot of the stuff you were planning on. You just have to figure it out on the fly. Well, that's exactly it. Like, I mean, I'm so thankful that I have come up with people like the knockouts division, people like Allison Kay um, and Cherry Bomb and um, Jade at Impact. Like all of these girls are so, they're such veterans and they know exactly what to do. And um, I just have to shut up and listen, you know, and, and kind of, make sure that uh, as I go, I am just adapting to the situation. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, so much more uh, we need to talk about, but we're going to squeeze in our first break here. Lots more to talk about with the hot mess. I'm only going to say, I'm only going to say that intro one time. I'm just going to say Chelsea green from here on out. I'm going <laughs> to say the whole thing. That way Mark Brown doesn't have to keep hitting the bleep button. We'll be back. <laughs> Let's roll America. Roll up your sleeves to give blood you can help save lives of patients that depend on blood every single day ring of honor wrestling has once again teamed up with american red cross for sinclair cares roll up your sleeves make an appointment today to donate blood your donation will help save lives and impact countless more go to sinclaircares.com to schedule your appointment now All right, we are back on the ROH Strong Podcast with the hot mess, Chelsea Green. Let's talk about the hot mess. Because Let's talk about her. <laughs> this was one of my, and I, I did say this to Allison uh, when she was on, is that Laurel Van Ness, the hot mess, was one of my favorite characters in wrestling at that time. Oh my gosh, well thank you very much. But So you're keeping the hot mess name, but clearly you don't look like that version of the hot mess with the smeared makeup and the all that stuff. So, so what is, if you want, I don't know how much you want to give away, but this new iteration of the hot mess, what can we expect? So I think that what you should expect is to expect the unexpected. And I think that already you've realized that from me showing up at, you know, best in the world and at Slammiversary, I am going to do things different this time. Um, and I'm going to turn the mess, the, the mess, the hot mess into, um, Hot Mess 2.0 into a new version of the Hot Mess. Um, and uh, we're, we're going to see a couple different sides of 
of the hot mess. And I think my act, my acting abilities may um, come into play, but you know, I haven't uh, fully decided how I'm going to make that work. Um, but I have so many ideas in my head and I've had so many ideas for the past two years that I haven't been able to use. So I'm just really excited to, you know, pitch them to everybody. Well, that's, that's a great point because you really now have creative freedom. And I know that's one thing that people in ring of honor, the talent ring of honor rave about is that they get a level of creative freedom that you don't really get. Well, you may get some other places, but not, maybe not to this degree. I don't know, but you have that creative freedom now. So I guess that has to be exciting as a performer. It's so exciting, especially just feeling for the past couple of years, like I wasn't heard or like nobody wanted to hear me. I'm just so excited to be able to share my ideas um, and my thought process with everybody at Ring of Honor. Is it true that you were going to be Mickey James stalker? <laughs> yes, um, it is. It is true. We were going to do a, a, a Mickey James Trish storyline um, with Mickey and I. We didn't. We didn't know the exact direction it was going in, but that is where it was going um, in a direction of me stalking slash falling in love with Mickey. That would have been outstanding. I know. I I really wish, and I know Mickey wishes too, like we both had our hearts set on that. So let me ask you this question. Um, You know, I ask everybody this, I guess, if, you know, those who have been released by WWE, I always ask, were you surprised by it? Um, Were you, were you, did it come as a shock to you when you got that? I mean, you know, these cuts come around every so often. Uh, were you surprised that your name was on the list? Honestly, yes, I was surprised. Um, I guess the only reason I was surprised is just because I didn't show anything. You know, if I had have had a couple of matches and I, I didn't do very well and, um, you know, I, I, I didn't wrestle to the best of my ability, then okay, I, maybe it wouldn't have been as much of a shocker. But because I really didn't get any opportunity on the main roster, um, it totally came as a surprise. I'm not even going to lie. So when that happens, do you, do you look for answers? I mean, do you ask questions as to why, why did this happen? Or, uh, you know, what was the company thinking when you made this decision? Or is it just like, all right, the deal's been cast, the die's been cast, and let's move on? I think, I think maybe Chelsea in 2016 would have looked for answers. But I didn't necessarily feel like I needed answers. I felt like, you know what? That's okay. It's their loss. And I know that they don't know that yet, but I want to show them that it's their loss. So I kind of just put the phone down. You know, I said, thank you very much. I put the phone down and I I got back to work. I had only been out the indie scene for two and a half years. That's nothing, you know, that not much has changed. So I was ready to dive back in and, and kind of figure out what I wanted to do next. Um, Every now and then I go back to, I wonder why, but I think it helped me that Matt had been released the year, my fiance had been released the year before, and there was really no reason for his release either. So I think that when it came down to me, it was like, okay, well, you know, sometimes there just isn't a rhyme or a reason, and this is just a corporate, a big corporate company, and uh, you got to suck it up. You know, I'm a big girl. I can take it. Right. And for those who don't know, I'm sure most people listening do know when you mentioned Matt, Matt Cardona, who used to be Zack Ryder in WWE, is your fiance. Yes. Um, Soon to be husband. You guys are getting married on New Year's Eve. Is that what you said? We sure are. Well, congratulations. Thank you. I'm so excited. I should be congratulating him, right? Aren't you supposed to congratulate the groom, like, but not necessarily? (laughs) No, you should be congratulating him for locking me down. (laughs) Uh, uh, Yes, absolutely. I do congratulate him for that. (laughs) You know, um, I had mentioned this to you again when we were setting up this, uh, this interview that I, I worked in WWE as a writer for a few years. And I said, I don't know if Matt remembers me. He may not. Um, but I, I tell you what, there was a great moment that I'll never forget, which was when he was, as Zack Ryder, organically just really getting over. And we were in New York and uh, it was Brooklyn, I guess, I think. It had to be, right? So... The Rock was on the show. Are you, are you probably? Oh, I, I remember this. The Rock was on the show and people were chanting, you know, we want Zach. And yeah, I, we want Ryder. We want Ryder. And I was in Gorilla and so was Zach. I, he was literally standing right next to me. And I just looked at him and I was just like, 
you know, this ma- like he was overwhelmed. It, what an amazing moment. But what a testament to like a guy just getting himself over to the with with no one believing in that character or pushing that character or anything else but the fans. And granted, it was, you know, he it was a hometown thing, but he got great reactions everywhere. He it was Baltimore where he beat Dolph Ziggler for the US title. And I was there for that as well, working for the company. That was one of the loudest pops I've ever heard, ever, in all my years. Like, I just wish that I could have been there to see all that live. But it's amazing, you know, that I can go back and and look at it on YouTube and everything. But, um, yeah, I'm so proud of him. Like, he just keeps reinventing himself. And um, I think he's the happiest he's ever been right now doing kind of his own stuff and and his own characters and, and doing his podcast and everything. So I'm, I'm really proud of him. Okay. Well, Chelsea, I want to talk to you about your uh, podcast green with envy because you didn't waste any time uh, after your release, getting yourself back, back out there. And obviously one of the things was this podcast. Um, I just started listening to it recently and I got to say, I was pretty impressed. It's not your typical quote unquote wrestling podcast where it's <laughs> Not, not like, you know, like this kind of format <laughs> where we're just talking wrestling and uh, you're in, you know, there's a guest and all that. It's basically you uh, just talking about, you know, riffing on uh, like what's going on in your life. And it's pretty entertaining. Did, did you have a background in, uh, in broadcasting or anything? Well, thank you. Um, no, I, I definitely didn't. But that's always something that I've wanted to do was broadcast journalism. Um, and I fell into wrestling. And I guess I really loved the combination of acting meets, you know, promos meets athletics. Um, and, and so really, when, you know, the athletic side was taken away from me, um, during kind of COVID and with the injuries and everything like that, I really, really found a passion for just speaking and, and talking to people, um, not necessarily interviewing people, but just talking. And so when, um, when I was released, that was definitely one of the first things that I wanted to start. And I, I'm, I'm so happy that I just got, you know, I just took kind of a chance and, and got that started right away. I really didn't know what I was doing. And I think that in the episodes, you see the progression of me getting more and more comfortable behind the microphone and getting more comfortable being on my own and not kind of having a co-host with me. But it's been so much fun. And I feel like we're kind of hitting a stride with it now. I'm, I'm at about episode 12 and I'm, I'm kind of figuring out, you know, what I want and don't want out of podcasts. It's been so much fun. Well, it's definitely entertaining, as I said, and it's not, uh, it's not your typical, typical podcast. Uh, it caught me a little bit by surprise uh, because you, do, <laughs> you introduce yourself the way I introduced you at the beginning of the show with Chelsea, uh, MF and Green. Um, and then, uh, you know, some of the episode titles are pretty provocative. There's one titled, I peed my pants. Um, (laughs) There's championship sex, vacation sex, FaceTime sex. Uh, (laughs) Chelsea, you you like to talk about sex. I love to just be open. And I think like, I think that that's something that all of my friends know about me and, and everyone kind of like that has been around me in wrestling knows that I am a total open book. I have no filter. Um, and I say things that I shouldn't, and that's what I wanted this podcast to be, or at least a glimpse into who I truly am. You know, like I have to say Twitter likes to make a lot of uh, judgments on who you are. They like to decide who you are. And I wanted to show people for myself exactly who I am. And, And if you're my friend, this is what we talk about and the things we joke about and the stories I tell and stuff like that. Yeah, it's very real. Yeah, and I think it's a, it's a great way to put it that there's no filter because that's what it is. But it, it really comes across as um, like you're just sitting, uh, you know, having a conversation with the listeners. Well, thank you, because that's definitely what I'm aiming for. And, you know, I don't think that necessarily comes naturally just sitting in front of a microphone having a conversation. But slowly but surely it is. It's coming more and more naturally. Yeah, see, I've never tried anything like that. Like I've always done interview type um podcasts and stuff it's all I've always had someone to converse with totally I don't and know that's so could... different it's it's yeah. it's so you know it's a whole different skill it's not I don't want to say it's easier because I I have um in the past month or so interviewed people and I, I find that to be 
challenging in a whole different way. But talking to yourself is really tough. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I could sit down and just like start talking for 40 minutes. And, and <laughs> but but I mean, you do it well, you, you're a good storyteller. So I think, you know, what you're saying is, um, it's interesting. I mean, obviously, no one's going to want to listen to it if you're not telling interesting stories. <laughs> well, thank you. And you know, that's another reason why there's there's such short episodes, you know, they're, they range from 35 to 50 minutes. They're nothing crazy. Um, and it's just, yeah, me telling stories. Yeah, after some of those, uh, the titles of some of them, I feel I'm like, I wonder, if, do I need to have a cigarette after I listen? <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Well, uh, along those lines, I know that one of the things that you've um, made public recently is that you actually have interest in posing for Playboy. Is that correct? So everybody kind of took it as me posing for Playboy, but my interest just lies within the company of Playboy. I think that the models obviously are amazing, but they haven't actually had a magazine in about a year and a half. Um, so they're more so kind of veering towards uh, becoming a lifestyle brand. And I think I'm interested in just being a part of that transition. I've always, I've always been very open about like my sexuality and things like that, and my, and my body confidence. And I just would love to be a part of kind of destigmatizing Playboy. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I guess <laughs> once the internet kind of exploded and of course, once some, um, Anytime there's any kind of new technology, people figure out how to way to uh, involve pornography. So yes. <laughs> I guess that was kind of the, the death knell, so to speak, for, um, for Playboy, because obviously right at your fingertips, you can see basically anything you would want to see and something. Well, right. And we're, we've just really like, that's the thing. Everything is so instant now that nobody goes out and buys a physical copy of almost anything. You know, I might be one of the last few people that have like, a real calendar sitting on my desk and a planner and stuff like that because we just, we have it all at our fingertips. And, and I, when I spoke to Playboy, I, I sat down and I had a Zoom call with them. Um, you know, I, I really can tell that they're going in the direction of how can we make this a lifestyle brand digitally? And that's something that I'd love to be involved in. Well, what kind of other things would you, would you like to do? I mean, obviously you're doing the podcast now. You're very comfortable with public speaking. Uh, would you want to get more into maybe hosting other things or, or maybe acting? I think, I mean, I would really love to sell my podcast, whether it's to Playboy or Barstool or whoever. I would love to be under an umbrella. Um, and then, of course, I, I would love to host some sort of show, um, whether that's interviewing people or just me, you know, taking a, a camera around the world or to certain places or to try on bikinis, like whatever it is. Um, I would love that. And I've, I've done um, a little bit of acting and a little bit of stunt doubling. So that's not out of the realm of possibilities. Um, but again, that is like a whole nother beast and something that I am, I'm, I'm willing to do, but I need to kind of get back in that mindset of, of being an actress. Cause that's not something that comes naturally <laughs> <laughs> okay uh i want to go back to zach for a second or matt we should call him matt uh, <laughs> with this podcast right and with you being such an open book and unfiltered uh how does he feel about as your fiance how does he feel about you putting everything out there and being so open about things um he is so great with it i mean there's a couple times that he might get annoyed or that he makes fun of me for things but Overall, he really pushes me to be the best version of myself. And I think he knows that the best version of myself is doing something that I love. And he's seen me just kind of take pride and ownership of this podcast. And um, I, I think he hasn't really seen me super happy in the past couple of years. And this podcast is really making me happy. So <laughs> even though some of the, the stories are at his expense, he's okay with it. I don't want to give away too much because I want people to listen to your podcast, but you told once it's hard to make me, you know, everybody does LOL, right? But yes. do people really LOL when they type it? I don't think so. Uh, <laughs> but you had me laughing out loud with the story of uh, when you were a, a teenage underage drinker. I don't know what you were, 18, 19. I can't remember. Oh my gosh. And I ended up on the lawn in my mom's underwear. And your mom's under, yes. You woke up, thought you were in your bed, but you were 
on the lawn outside the house with a, what was a t-shirt and your mom's underwear. Yes. Oh man. I'm telling you, there are so many more stories like they, like that, that I have to tell. It's so great. <laughs> that is all. Well, Hey, you, you've hooked, I, I'm going to subscribe. You've got me now. As a, <laughs> got me as Thank a, you. <laughs> but I, I'll, I'll give you another compliment too, though, because you really do like, it's, it's amazing. You've only been doing this for 12 episodes and you just started it. What in April? Because yeah. you've so comfortable speaking. You've got that, you've got like a good, um, you could be like a DJ on like, you know, the female DJ on a, on a rock station or a late night, you know, a DJ. You've got that, like if there's ever a movie where, you know, you see the DJ, you, you, but you don't see her, you just hear the voice. <laughs> like, there's a role for you right there. It's funny because I, after doing the podcast, I received so many compliments on my voice. And I don't know if it's like that I put a podcast voice on. I'm not really sure, but a lot of people, a lot of my girlfriends messaged me and they were like, Chelsea, you have like this sexy voice when you podcast. I don't know where it came from. I'm not sure if it's truly my voice or if I put it on. Um, but if people love it, I love it. And I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to keep going with it. <laughs> I'll make some dated references because I'm an old guy and I like old, you know, old movies and stuff. If you've ever seen the movie, The Warriors. From the seventies, yep. you know that movie. Yep. Yes, I do. There's a female DJ kind of talking throughout. Also, the fog where Adrian Barbeau plays a is a DJ. Like that's what this kind of reminded me of. This sultry sort of late night DJ. You know, talking. Oh my gosh! And I feel like that's why I think I would be great on a Playboy channel. I yes. think I could do it. You got my vote. You got my vote. <laughs> All right, well, we're going to take another break, and uh, I'm going to maybe, uh, I don't even smoke, but I think I might start. And uh, <laughs> we're going to come back. We got more to talk about with Chelsea Green right after this. Want to hear post-match interviews from tonight's competitors? Want to see exclusive brand new matches? Want to learn about breaking news before anyone else? Week by Week is the perfect companion to everything that happens on ROH TV. It premieres every single Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern on the official ROH YouTube page. That's youtube.com slash ring of honor. Stay informed on the best wrestling on the planet. I'll see you there. All right, we are back on the ROH Strong Podcast with Chelsea Green. Chelsea, I want to go back to uh, your younger days, if we could, for a little bit and just do a little biographical stuff obviously you have a lot of fans people a lot of people are familiar with your background but for some who may not be some ring of honor fans who maybe haven't watched other companies or whatever uh at, at what age did you become a wrestling fan so i actually didn't grow up a wrestling fan i did watch wrestling a little bit in third grade with my sister but i really fell in love with wrestling in about 12th grade when i saw kelly kelly come to my hometown and wrestle and I just absolutely loved everything about her. Now, I didn't continue watching wrestling after that, but that kind of, I think, planted something in my brain. And then years later, when I was about 24, I was sitting doing my homework at the kitchen table, and Raw happened to be on TV. And I watched it, and it was a, a woman's match. And I thought, you know what? I think I could do that. And I Googled how to be a WWE diva mm -hmm. and and I and I went and I did it <laughs> so you went to train with Lance Storm right I did that was the closest school to me and it happened to be about 10 minutes away from what, where I was at the time okay were you familiar with Lance before you started training with him absolutely not I'm telling you I didn't have a clue about wrestling I could tell you about um you know Stone Cold Steve Austin and The Rock. And that was about it. I was so, I just had zero knowledge. And that, that's something that I've really, really had to work on, you know, is learning from start to finish learning, not just the people that I'm wrestling now and, and the new people, but the history of wrestling is so important. Absolutely, for sure. Um, let me ask you this about, about training with, with Lance. Um, Lance is a guy who's known as being, I guess, very, I guess, stoic, maybe. Um, <laughs> did, did you ever see, uh, did Lance, ever, did he smile at all or tell any jokes when he was uh, training? 
Well, you know what? I find that he's like a dad to me, a second dad to me. So to me, yes, he has smiled and he has told some jokes. Um, but I definitely know I, I've, I've seen that stoic look and, um, and I feel sorry if you're not on his good side. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I, I, I knew Lance back in the day. This is to show you how old I am, Chelsea. I go back 20-some <laughs> years. I was the editor of the old WCW magazine when Lance was there. And, um, oh my gosh. Yeah, Lance was not afraid to tell you. Like, he was very easy to work with, uh, very cooperative, but he was not afraid to tell you if there was something in the magazine that was written about him that he didn't like. Uh, oh, totally. Yeah, which, yeah, he would pull me aside. I think he maybe only did it once, but he was... <laughs> Uh, no, he is very, um, very open and honest about what he likes and doesn't like. Yes. Did he ever pull you aside and say, can I be serious for a minute? <laughs> no, he never did. But so many people ask me that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, let, let me ask you about your athletic background. Did you have, did you play sports before you got into, uh, into wrestling? I did. Um, I, I played just about anything that I could. I, I played soccer, a little bit of basketball, a little bit of volleyball. Um, I did a lot of track. So I was definitely, and I, and I danced for about 17 years, but I was definitely um, an athlete. However, by the time that I was wrestling, I was more so focused on lifting weights and working out and things like that. You know, I was, I was very busy with school um, and just kind of, adult life you know right so you got a break in the business your first break pretty early on you had only been training I guess for I don't know several months when you actually ended up on raw as <laughs> yes Daniel Bryan's physical therapist Megan Miller who the storyline was uh, you were having an affair with with Daniel who of course married to Brie Bella at the time uh, still are um, how did that opportunity come about for you? So I graduated from Lance's in April and I had my first match in May and I believe I ended up on raw in August. So wow. I had been on the Indies. Yeah. May, June, July, August, maybe three months. Um, and uh, I had contacted WWE. I had filled out a form online just to basically say, like, I was free to do extra work. And they were in Canada, so they called me in to do extra work. I was a rosebud the day before. And then they had a spot on TV um, the next day. And they needed a girl who was able to work it, who had a passport because it was in Portland, Oregon. And I you know, said, I have a passport, I can do it. And um, I had no idea what I was getting myself into. I had never held a microphone before in my entire life. That was the first time cutting a promo, holding a microphone, anything. Wow. I didn't tell them that. <laughs> of course not. So, so, so how nervous were you? Because not only are you getting this big segment I mean, this is not a little thing. You're not, you're not a rosebud here with a bunch of other people <laughs> in a costume where you can sort of hide. You're literally in the center of the ring with Stephanie McMahon in a, in a main segment on Raw. How nervous were you? I think the beauty of not growing up as a wrestling fan is that I was so naive for so many years about the opportunities that I had in front of me. I was grateful. Don't get me wrong. I was very grateful to be there. And in everything that I did, but I was so naive to what I was getting into. So, you know, I was in the ring and nervous, but I had no idea that that was going to be such a pivotal moment in my career. And, you know, that segment was actually, um, the entire segment was agented by Vince McMahon and Vince was ringside making me cut the promo in the ring to him. And I just, I'm sure most people would crumble under the pressure, but I just didn't know how huge of a moment that was. And I think it worked out in my favor. Absolutely. Well, look, I could tell you this. If it didn't work, if it didn't work out, you would have known about it. <laughs> well, that's very true. <laughs> he would definitely let you know. So, wow, I'm just thinking the pressure of, geez, Stephanie in the ring, Vince agenting, agenting the segment and you know how many ever million people watching around the world live and that's 
that's a great, that's a hell of a first spot <laughs> for you. I mean, it, it's, it's just insane that that is something that, you know, I can tell my kids about. Well, I'm interested, like, what kind of feedback did you get afterwards? And did you get the sense that because you did well, like there would maybe, obviously you were super green in the ring six months in or less than that, whatever it was, but did you get the sense that because it went well, maybe there would be opportunities? Oh man. Um, I'll never forget. They, they, you know, I came to the back and um, Stephanie, Triple H and Vince McMahon were all standing there and they all congratulated me and they kept saying, you did so well. You did. Thank you so much. You did so well. That was great. And I thought, Oh, this is it. I am going to be the next WWE diva. Like this is, you know, they saw, they saw me and they liked me and that was it. You know, I was, again, I was so naive to the, the process of even trying to get into WWE. I thought that in that moment, that was it. And I was going to be the next big thing. Um, little did I know, you know, it was going to take me years to get there and, and so much more work to, to become a, a WWE superstar. Right. Well, and then I guess your next break is you end up on WWE Tough Enough. But, you know, I, I again, I knew we had this interview today, so I went back and refreshed my memory. You weren't actually on that original season. You weren't one of the original <laughs> castmates on that season of Tough Enough. I think it was 2015. Someone got hurt, right? Someone had to drop out, and you were, like, the first alternate, and that's how you got in. So, yeah, it's a, it's a funny story. I, um, you know, I – begged and begged and begged for a WWE tryout after my spot as Megan Miller. Finally, they gave me a tryout. I didn't get a job. Actually, at that tryout, um, Sarah Logan, Crazy Mary, she got the job for my tryout. So that was awesome. I, I loved her. Um, I, I didn't get hired, but they went on to cast me in Tough Enough. And um, I was kind of told, like, you know, just go through the tryout process. It's going to be recorded, and then you're going to be um, on the show. And, um, well, you know, so I thought that was it. I was on the show, and I was just doing this tryout for TV. But, no, I got cut. <laughs> Again, naive Chelsea. I got cut um, and was sent packing. And I believe I was home for about maybe a week. Um, and they called me back and they said, we have a girl, she's, you know, she's getting married. She doesn't want to be here. Uh, she wants to leave. She's injured. She blah, 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 this and that. Can you come back and be a surprise on the show? And I said, absolutely. I, um, I packed my bags again and, and I left. So I had a wrestling blog that I was writing at that point and I was reviewing Tough Enough every week. And it seemed pretty obvious to me early on that to me, the two favorites were yourself and Patrick Clark, which I don't think it was, um, you know, that big of a surprise because both you guys had, had been trained. And I don't think well, we were the only trained wrestlers at the time. Exactly. And it, it, you could tell it, I think you could tell that. And, you know, full disclosure, I know, I know Patrick very well. I was, you know, he came up in Maryland, Maryland championship wrestling, where I've done a lot of work there. I yeah. saw Patrick literally the day he walked through the door when he was training. Um, and I've, you know, I've worked with him. I was on the Indies. I was a heel manager and we used to, our, my tag team used to go against Patrick and Leo Rush back in the oh day. Oh my gosh. That's yes, great. When they were just start, they were called sudden impact and <laughs> Patrick and Leo right out of the MCW training center. And you could just see right away, like they had something. And totally. I remember I sent Patrick, uh, as soon as I saw about the tough enough tryouts, I texted him and I said, Patrick, please tell me you're, you, you've got to send in a video. And he's like, oh, yeah, already done it, already shot it. You know, he, he sent it to me. Here it is. It was his little promo, his testimonial. And I was like, all right, dude, I, I think you've got a really good chance. And then he obviously he gets on there and I'm watching it. And again, I thought you and you and Patrick really stood out. You could see not just that you guys had the training and not, not look, you weren't, you know, 20 year vets or anything, but clearly you knew the basics. Right. And, and I also thought there was charisma there. You know, that's another thing I told Patrick, I'm like, you've got to look, you know, you're well-spoken. There's a lot there. And I saw the same thing with you, but neither one of you, neither one of you ended up winning, which, uh, <laughs> you know, and I've had this discussion with Kenny King. I don't know if you've ever talked to Kenny about his tough enough experience. 
No, I haven't. But I feel like if you look back, and this is not to disparage anyone who's won tough enough, but if you look back at the winners and where they, what they've done in the business, and then you look back at some of the people who were on the show but didn't win and see what they've done, winning it may not have been the best thing. Yeah, it's very interesting. It's almost like a, a bit of a tough enough curse, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So not to dredge up, you know, bad memories or anything, but like, <laughs> were you, com- once you were in it, like once you're in Tough Enough and you, you see what your competition is, and obviously it's not all just based on wrestling ability. There's more that goes into it. And there's a fan vote that goes into it. So it becomes a popularity contest. As you were doing it, did you feel like you were doing well? Like, you, did you feel like you had a good shot? So on one hand, I was like, how could I not win this? I'm the only person who knows wrestling. Right. But I think what I think what I forgot is that, you know, it's WWE and they choose the narrative. They choose who they want to look good or to not look good. And and one thing that I will say is at the time I just didn't have the uber sexiness that Mandy did. So I wasn't the I wasn't the underdog. I wasn't Sarah, but I wasn't this this like sexy bombshell like Mandy. So I fell somewhere in the middle. And I think that was kind of my downfall is had I, had I, had I picked a character, had I been the mean girl or the bitch, maybe I would have gone farther. Right. Because that's just the name of the game in wrestling. Um, but I have to say, like, I really did think that I had a chance of winning it. Um, but I'm realizing as I get older that I feel as if they had chosen who the winners were going to be from the start. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't know if this is true or not, but I, I didn't hear this from Patrick directly, but I heard it from someone who said they heard it from Patrick was that he was basically told to show a little more personality because Patrick was such a nice guy, laid back guy. And then he was told to kind of like, you know, not maybe not be a jerk, but just, don't be so quiet and humble all the time. Yeah, I was told when I first, um, I don't know if you remember the very first episode um, has me kind of coming off as a bitch. <laughs> yeah. And I walk in and I have a glass of vodka and I do all this stuff that I just wouldn't do. Um, but the producers asked me to do it. So I was willing to do it. But of course, as time goes on, you show your true colors. And my true colors are, I get along with girls. I get along with everybody in the house. And you can only fake that so much. Right. Right. And we should mention when you were mentioning uh, Mandy, Mandy Rose, obviously in WWE, not to be confused with our own Mandy Leone, right? Yes. Mandy Rose, not Mandy Leone. But I will say at my very first WWE tryout, that's how I met Mandy Leone. Oh, is that right? Yeah. (laughs) Everything's come full circle. Exactly. All right. Well, this will be the, this is the last tough enough question. I promise. (laughs) Uh, so when you got eliminated, I remember, and, and I replayed this again, knowing that we were going to speak today. I went back and watched the clip to see if it was as I remembered it. And you, you really did kind of get jobbed out. Like Paige yeah. used her save on a girl. We don't have to use her name. I don't, I'm, I'm guessing she never did anything in the business, but. No, um, she didn't. She didn't. And she used her save on her. You were in the bottom three that week. And because she was immune, basically you got less votes than the eventual winner who had like this huge fan club, I guess, who voted for yeah. her. <laughs> yeah. Really, let's be honest, at least Blossom, <laughs> she, she should not have won. Um, as you're standing on that stage and you see the results pop up, I mean, what, like, what went through your mind? Well, I'm not really one to like, I'm not really like a poor me type of person. Like, I, I mean, I was bummed, but to be honest, I'm, I'm someone who just, I think about, okay, now what? Okay, so I'm on the stage and I'm like, all right, well, I'm not here. So now what? What am I going to do? And, you know, and that's how I ended up with a impact tryout. That's how I ended up in Japan um, working for stardom. Like my indie career took off after Tough Enough. So it was a it was a blessing in disguise. Well, yeah, that's a huge deal. It being in stardom in and of itself. I mean, obviously, stardom is regarded as maybe the top women's wrestling organization in the world. How did that opportunity, was the opportunity to go there based 
solely off of the uh, the exposure that you got on Tough Enough? Mm, I think so. Yeah, I really think so. I think a lot of the opportunities that came within that next six months after Tough Enough were purely because of the impact that I had made from Tough Enough. What was your experience like in stardom? Because now you're still pretty new to the business at that point. What is it like suddenly being, I was going to say an American in uh, Japan, but <laughs> a Canadian uh, in Japan wrestling for stardom. What was just from uh, the experience of, of actually doing, you know, being in the ring with uh, the stardom talent, but also just, I don't know if you had been much of a traveler, but to suddenly be in Japan with a whole new culture. I mean, traveling definitely is something that's always been kind of ingrained in me. My, my family and I have traveled like since I was born. So that, the culture shock wasn't too bad. Um, the shock of Japanese style wrestling was a shock. And I mean, I just, I just think that you're never prepared for something. Um, in wrestling, you always, it's always just a sink or swim moment. And luckily I swam, but man, I was like doggy paddling in Japan for a while, you know, like just trying to stay afloat, just trying to make sure that I could keep up with like the girls are just amazing. When I went back the second time, it was a whole different story. I knew what I was getting myself into. I knew how to adapt to their style. I knew part of their language. And, and so it was much easier, but, um, I think really for the first three years of my wrestling career, everything was just, I was just thrown in the deep end and I just had to learn how to kind of adapt. Right. And I guess as far as being a well-rounded in-ring performer, as far as learning all different styles, you also learned Lucha style as well, right? I mean, yes, I, I definitely have tried. I've wrestled in Mexico uh, and uh, uh, a lot of the Japanese wrestlers are, they also have a little bit of a, a Lucha style. So that's something that I have come across and I've, I've tried to learn. Um, I also wrestled at Lucha Underground. So that was another time that I kind of had to adapt to that style. I would not say that I am like, you know, <laughs> great at the Lucha style by any means, but I try and I can get through and, and um, I, I can keep up. Right. And that's important. You, it doesn't have to be your forte necessarily, but you, you have that there in your back pocket if you need to. I don't yeah, know, exactly. Break out a hurricane Rana every now and then. <laughs> exactly. Every now and then, you know, I'll, I'll throw something in there. <laughs> Let me, I want to move on real quick to uh, your impact career. So you end up in impact as a totally new character. You're not Chelsea green anymore. You're Laurel Van Ness. Who came up with that character? Was that something that you had input in as far as creating Laurel Van Ness? Or was that something that was basically crafted for you? Well, the original Laurel Van Ness was just a, a mean, rich snob. Um, and that was kind of given to me. Um, the, the name was even created to be kind of a rich, snobby girl. And um, it, after the wedding, after I was left at the altar, what came after that, the hot mess Laurel Van Ness, that was all um, myself and Dutch. It was kind of our brainchild. Dirty, dirty Dutch Mantel. Yes, yes. And he is just, he was so amazing in, in not only letting me do what I want, but also pushing me to be crazier and, and, you know, do things that I just have, would not have done. And he pushed me so far outside my comfort zone that I just found a whole new comfort zone. So how much of, of Laurel Van Nett, how much did you contribute personally to that character? Um, I would say probably 80%. Oh, okay. Yeah, I would say most of it. Like, here's the thing. I can't say, I can't say that we sat there and we came up with this and we executed it. That's not how it happened. Every single week we built on what we had built the week before. You know, it started out with just me singing with some dirty makeup on my face. And the next week, it, you know, I was drunk. And the week after that, I was a psycho drunk. And the week after that, I was, you know, wrestling with no shoes. And it just evolved to this amazing, ridiculous character that none of us could have pre-planned. So we're confident, though, New Year's Eve, when you and Matt walk down the aisle, there's, there's no going to be any um, Laurel Van Ness type moments, right? Well, I think after New, after New Year's, there will probably be um, <laughs> some Laurel Van Ness coming out. <laughs> That's right. Yes, yes. New Year's Eve, I'm sure. Yes, probably will be. <laughs> 
All right, well, we're going to take our final break, and then when we come back, we're going to play 10 Questions with Chelsea Green. Hey, Honor Nation. Check out the new and improved Ring of Honor shop at shophonor.com. Shophonor.com turns ordinary online shopping into a truly immersive experience. Our new mobile-friendly design is enhanced for better navigation and search. The recommended for you feature will showcase products based on your unique preferences, or find exactly what you want as you filter any category by your favorite wrestler, size, or color. Go to shophonor.com now. All right, we're back on the RH Strong Podcast with the hot mess, Chelsea Green. Chelsea, I know you've just answered a bunch of questions, but we have 10 more that we'd like to ask if you're, uh, if you're up for playing 10 questions. Let's do it. And it is now time for 10 Questions with Kevin. All right, question number one. What's something on your bucket list? And I know you said earlier Ring of Honor was on your bucket list. This could be a life bucket list, not necessarily wrestling. Okay, I've got two. I've got um, hike Machu Picchu and uh, go to Dubai. Okay. Question number two. What's a subject you'd like to know more about? I mean, I guess wrestling, honestly, because I'm so, I'm so deep in this business and there's still so much I have to learn. Okay, good answer. Question number three. If you could have a conversation with any celebrity or historical figure, living or dead, who would it be? Oh, man. Um, I would love to talk to, okay, I have two in mind, and they're polar opposites, but I would love to talk to Hugh Hefner, and I would love to talk to Obama. Wow. Yes, they, they are. I don't see those two hanging out together. No, me neither. <laughs> good, though. All right, question number four. Have you ever had a paranormal experience? And if not, do you believe in its existence? I absolutely believe in it. And yes, I have. My dad and I have had many ghost encounters. And um, at a young age, he made me start writing them down. Well, without taking, without making it too long of a story, can you just tell us one uh, paranormal moment that you can, uh, that you can recall? Um, yes, I woke up one night to a little girl asking me what's going on in the corner of my room. You actually, you saw the little, you saw a little girl in your room? No, so she was like, it's, what it sounded like was that she was kind of, my, my bed is kind of on a corner, um, and it was like she was right around the corner, just like, r like, right standing about two feet away from me. Wow, how old were you? Mm, that was probably mm, 18 years old. Oh, okay. I was going to say, if you were yeah. a little, if you were a little kid, that would have certainly... Oh, that, oh my gosh, that would have scared, like, the bejesus out of me. <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> when you started the story with saying how you woke up, I thought you were going to say you woke up in your mom's underwear. And the... <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> I guess that's not paranormal, but... <laughs> uh, question number five. Do you have a guilty pleasure? And you probably don't since you're such an open book and unfiltered, but is there something that you like that maybe you would be embarrassed to say that you liked it? So not something I'm embarrassed to say... But I think that my guilty pleasure is every single night I sit down with really buttery popcorn, a detox tea, and a piece of chocolate, and I watch terrible reality TV. And I do that every single night. I'm not joking. I am even doing it right now while I'm talking to you. What's on TV? I have got the Real Housewives of New York on, and I've got a Hershey's Cookies and Cream Bar here, and I just ate some goldfish snacks while I talked to you. <laughs> I don't have my detox tea, though, but that's okay. Okay. <laughs> I, okay, this is not part of 10 questions. This is a side question. How can you watch that horrible reality TV? Oh, oh, I can't even explain to you the love I have for terrible reality TV. Like, oh. Matt says the same thing to me. Everybody asks me how I can, like, melt my brain with this stuff. And I'm telling you, I just can't. I can't stop. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> All right, question number six. You can answer this one of two ways. It's did you have a, it's either did you have a celebrity crush growing up or okay. do you have a celebrity crush right now? So I wouldn't say I have one right now, but my only celebrity crush growing up and into my teenage years was always Paul Walker. But Paul Walker passed away. And oh, so he's still my, he'll be my forever crush. Okay. Yeah. 
All right, question number seven. Do you have any hidden talents? Is there something you're good at that we don't know about? It's a PG show, Chelsea, so just... <laughs> okay, so I won't say anything to do with, um, you know, my podcast. Um, gosh, let me think. I mean, my hidden talent would be that um, I can do the worm, but that's about it. And I mean, I really think most people can do the worm. I, you've never busted that out in a ring, though, have you? No, I maybe once at the very start of my career, maybe with Santana once, but or maybe in India with Santana, but that's about it. All right, question number eight. What's something that's popular that you don't see the appeal of? So like for me, it would be bad reality TV, but you see the appeal of that. So what's something popular that you, <laughs> you just can't understand why it's popular? I guess just like video games, just gaming in general. Um, I just... I can't get behind like even anything to do with like streaming and like like Twitch and then like PS4 and Nintendo and all that's like all that stuff. I just I can't figure it out. Hmm. You're in that age demographic where you should be into it, I think. I know. And I feel like everybody tells me I should and I should get on Twitch and I just struggle to ever want to. Okay. Now, how are you with the uh, action figures? Because obviously we know Matt is that—that's his thing. Are you are you into collectibles, action figures, things like that? So I am a neat freak. I don't collect anything. Like I don't even collect. I mean, you could try to say I collect shoes, but every six months I go through my clothes and I donate what I don't wear. So I just don't collect anything, and I don't see the appeal of collecting stuff. Okay. All right. I could see this might be a, this could be a source of friction down the line. I, I, I think. <laughs> I mean, sometimes <laughs> it, it truly is because I, I, our uh, garage is full of toys and I say to Matt, like, I just do not understand, but you know what? That's the person I fell in love with. And I would rather him like that than say drugs or alcohol or porn. Absolutely. That's a great point. <laughs> Cause I'm a pack rat myself. And, uh, I'm going to use that argument next time when my wife wants to. <laughs> That's what you have to say. Would you rather me be drinking? Exactly. That's. I don't know why I've never thought of that. <laughs> All right. Question number nine. Uh, you may have already answered this. I don't know with the Real Housewives thing, but I was going to ask you, what's the last show that you binge watched? Oh, man. So right now, um, Matt and I are binge watching Dynasty on Netflix. And... Um, what we do is we pick a show that every time we're together, because obviously, you know, we have different schedules. Whenever we're together, that's the only time we watch that show. So we'll try to watch like two episodes a night when we're together. And so right now it is Dynasty, but it's the new, the remake of Dynasty because Dynasty was a, a show in the 80s or whatever, but it's great. I love how you say that Dynasty was a show in the 80s. Like you have to explain it to me who's Grew up in I know, the you know, but everybody else doesn't. Like, so many people don't know that. <laughs> so you said Dynasty, and I originally, I immediately thought you were watching Joan Collins and... Right, the, the original one. one. I know, yeah, I know. I didn't, even, look, I didn't even know there was a remake, so that's true. Well, that's the thing. So there's two categories. There's people who don't know Dynasty at all, or there's people who know the original Dynasty. So I have to, like, specify there is an original, but this is not the original. This is new, updated very sick or very soap opera-esque okay well yeah i mean the original dynasty was basically a a nighttime soap opera oh so. totally right okay question number 10 i've debated whether to actually ask you this question or not but since you said hey ask me anything i'm an open book <laughs> i'm an open book i'm gonna regret this this is a, it's a silly question but i'm gonna ask it question number 10 have you ever taken the rough rider ah you know what's funny no, but I will tell you something. I got in the ring with Matt for the first time this year, um, and, um, and and Dillinger, or ugh, what's his new name now? Um, Ty Dillinger, what the heck is his new name? Oh, Spears. So I, I got in the ring at Spears' school and Breeze's school, and I wrestled Matt, and I'm telling you, Matt is the stiffest guy in the entire world i will never again wrestle him and i promise you i will never take the rough rider <laughs> <laughs> that's interesting i didn't think matt had that reputation really for being that for being stiff well he does with me <laughs> <laughs> all 
right. Well, you know, Maria said that when she took the super kick from uh, from Mike years ago in Ring of Honor, that he he stiffed her pretty good with that super kick to the jaw. Do you so. know what's funny? That is that has happened so many times when when couples have to wrestle. I think it's just because you guys you love each other, you trust each other. No matter what, you're gonna go home together. You know right. what I mean? <laughs> it's like even if Matt took my head off with the Rough Rider, I, I still have to go home and sleep in the same bed as him. So <laughs> you know he doesn't have to worry about that. <laughs> That's right. Might as well make it look good. Exactly. Right. Ask for forgiveness later. Yeah. Exactly. All right, well, uh, Chelsea, that's the end of 10 questions, and uh, that's the end of all the questions, really. I just <laughs> I want to thank you so much for, uh, for joining me today. I know it took a little – the people will never know this listening because it will be seamless when Mark Brown puts it together. We actually had to do this in a couple different uh, segments because we're both kind of busy, especially you. being. Oh, my goodness. It has been the craziest week, but <laughs> I'm so thankful that we were able to do this. And, you know, you, you guys get to hear the full thing seamlessly and you don't have to um, listen to the 10 times that I had to run away. <laughs> <laughs> Before I let you go, tell people where they can uh, find you on social media, plug your podcast, plug all your stuff. Yes. So you can find me on Instagram at Chelsea A. Green, um, on, on Twitter at I'm Chelsea Green. And uh, my podcast is at Green WNV Pod. Green with NV Podcast on, um, on iTunes and all that good stuff. So if you, you, know, you want to hear the unfiltered stories, you got to listen to Green with NV. Absolutely. And once again, that was Chelsea Mother <laughs> Green. <laughs> on the ROH Strong Podcast. Chelsea, thanks so much again, and uh, I'll, I'm sure I'll see you down the line. Uh, when thank you for having me so much. All right, and hey, I wanna thank everybody out there for listening, and remind you that a new episode of the ROH Strong Podcast drops every Monday morning on ROHwrestling.com and most podcast platforms. Keep it locked into ROHwrestling.com and ROH's social media channels, that's at Ring of Honor on Twitter and Instagram, facebook.com slash Ring of Honor, for news regarding upcoming episodes. Also, for the latest ROH news and views, you can read my column, X-Files, every Friday on ROHWrestling.com. Until next time, this is Kevin X saying, stay safe and let's all be ROH strong. <laughs>